Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Lee Saul. When salespeople aren't winning deals at desired levels or price points, executives and business owners turn to Lee, a world-renowned sales management strategist and CEO of Sales Architects. A recognized specialist in sales differentiation, Lee helps organizations win more deals at the prices they want. Working across all industries and sale types, he creates winning sales strategies for companies around the globe. Lee's the best-selling, award-winning author of six books, including Sales Differentiation and Higher Right, Higher Profits. Today, as this podcast is launching, his sixth book, Sell Different, is available. Uh, it is being published by HarperCollins. It is now available for purchase. We are so excited about it, and it presents all new sales differentiation strategies to outsmart, outmaneuver, and outsell the competition. Welcome back to the podcast, Lee. Thank you, Diane. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. We always have such great conversations, and congratulations on the book. Thank you. Very Very exciting. Yes, I'll bet. I know. It's, It's very good. And, and I just, I, I got to dive right in because the book is titled Sell Different. So yep. I'm, I'm asking the obvious question, what is different about Sell Different? Really? <laughs> I mean, Diane, really. I mean, here you are, you invite me on to your podcast. I mean, is that really nice? Come on your show and the first question, you're putting me on the spot. You really think it's fair to ask me that question of what's different? Of course it is. <laughs> hey, salespeople, whether buyers ask you that point blank or not, that's the question on their mind every time they meet with you. They want to know what's different. And if you can't articulate it, if you can't demonstrate it, you know what wins, Diane? What? Price. And that's oh. only good news. That's only good news if you're the low price guy. Yeah. All right, so let me answer your question. What's different about sell different? Yeah. Diane, I think you'd agree with me. Sales has never been tougher than it is today. Competition's fierce. And the differences in features and functions from one provider to another, they're really subtle. They're little. And Definitely. At the same time, I bet you're not seeing any executive saying, you know what? Hey, salespeople, we're going to lower your quota by 50%. And by the way, uh, we're going to lower prices by 30%. That's okay. We understand. No one's doing that. <laughs> right? They're still expecting salespeople to win at high rates while protecting margins. Or yeah. if I, I just trademarked this, Diane, to win more deals at the prices you want. So how do you do that? 
when the differences in what you sell are so slight. That's what sell different is all about. So what I'm suggesting is you look at every touch point, every interaction you have with a buyer and look for ways to outsmart, outmaneuver and outsell them. Ask yourself this question. What is it that you can do different than the competition that your buyers will find meaningful? So it's not different for the sake of different, it's meaningful. So you look at how you generate leads, how you prospect, that first contact, that first conversation, how you handle discovery meetings, virtual selling. You know, it's interesting. When, when I wrote the book proposal and, and submitted it to HarperCollins, there wasn't a chapter on virtual selling. And then this little thing happened. What's it called? <laughs> ah, the pandemic, Diane, right? Yeah. 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 So guess what? Now there's a chapter on selling virtually. Um, everything from the little things like dealing with pilots and trials, you know, requests for that the dreaded price issue, and also the fear of change, which is in every single deal, whether they say it to you or not, and how to navigate that issue. So the focus of sell different, doesn't matter what you're selling, or uh, if you're a B2B, B2C, doesn't matter. The, there's 15 chapters, each one dedicated to an implementable strategy, step-by-step -step on ways that you can outsell your competition. Nothing to do with the product, service, or technology you're selling. Okay, so I, I, I'm loving this because I totally agree. I, I'm so down with this whole idea that we live in such a competitive marketplace and your differentiation is not great customer service, though that's the first thing most people say <laughs> when you ask them. Uh, you know, so there has to be a different level of engagement. Now you said, um, what I thought, what I heard you say was it, it, a lot of it has to do with the engagement and how you are offering something that is meaningful, you know, in that engagement to the prospect. Mm -hmm. um, so this may sound like a weird question, but is it the same sort of thing? Like, is there something that you think all or most prospects want from a salesperson or a, an interaction with a salesperson? You know, there, there is one thing that they all want. And, and, and I'll tell you the story about my son, Stephen. Uh, right now, he's a college baseball player. When he was in high school, after his junior year, he was invited to play in an American Legion baseball tournament. And that's where college scouts come searching for, for talent. And Diane, in a one-week tournament, he hit four home runs and three doubles. Wow. It, yeah. It, so you can imagine what happened. All of a sudden, the phone's ringing, all these college coaches recruiting Steven. And, and if you've ever been through a college recruiting process before, you know it's a sale. The coaches are trying to sell you on their institution, but they can't differentiate what they sell. They can't <laughs> add a major, build a dorm, move the campus. They're all fixed assets. So what they have to do is sell different, which yeah. means differentiating their sales approach. And some of the coaches were marvelous at it, and some just failed miserably. Now, Diane, you know when you first drive onto a college campus, as soon as you cross the border, your blood pressure jumps about 40 points. You know why that is? 
and it's not the tuition. Oh, I was going to say the tuition. That's not that's not what does it. What is it? You can't find a place to park. Ah, every parking lot on a college <laughs> campus says park here, and we're going to tell you. Right. Welcome to our fine institution. Yeah, right. Well, this one yeah. school we visited, we pull into the parking lot, and Diane, there was a spot with Stephen's name on it. Wow. We go inside. There's an agenda for the day with Stephen's name printed right on the top. What did it cost that university to do those two things? A penny, maybe? Maybe. The paper and the ink, right? But yeah. Think about what they did. They made us feel like Stephen was the only athlete they were recruiting for yeah. any sport on the planet. Yeah. But that wasn't the case, but that's how they made us feel. Right. Another school we visited, Rainy Day. Coach asked Stephen to text him when we got there, which he did. Three assistant coaches come out with golf umbrellas and, and escort us into the facility. Sit down with the head coach. He says, hey, I hope you don't mind, but I didn't invite admissions to join us for the tour. I'm going to do it. Diane, he spent four hours with us that first wow. day. After that, he's texting and emailing Stephen about on a weekly basis, not saying, hey, did you make a decision, but getting to know him. Invite Stephen to come on campus, have dinner with some of the players, uh, and go to a women's volleyball game. Now, Dan, how do most students find out that they're admitted to a college? They get a letter in the mail. Yeah, not Stephen. He got a phone call from the coach saying, welcome to Augsburg University, wow. and he accepted. Now, yeah. think about what, what, what happened here. These colleges made Stephen feel special. They made our whole family feel special. Yeah. See, in sales, we forget that. You asked, was there one thing that everyone wants? It's to feel special. Mm -hmm. and, and we forget, we, it, it's just another lead. It's another call. It, it's another meeting. It's another presentation. It, it, it's just another proposal. See, we may have 10 meetings in a day, but they had one with us. And if you've ever gone to a Broadway show or any professional show, it's all scripted. They do it maybe twice a day, every day. But they remember that for the audience, they're seeing it once. And they have to make that experience special. They have to make it seem like that's the only time they will ever do that show and put on that production. We forget that in sales. We forget to make every single client feel special. And I'll tell you, Diane, one of the things in my own business, my own recipe, if you will, for consulting and speaking, if you were to interview my clients and ask them, how many clients does Lee have? They would guess one, <laughs> them. That's a conscious decision that I made a long time ago with my business. I make every client feel like, I've got one yeah, and it's them. So when we talk about making people feel special, that's a way that you can stand out from the competition so that they would rather buy from you than the alternative. Now there is an interesting side note with this. Remember I said some coaches did it really well and, and some didn't. Yes. There were seven schools and the one that was at the top of Steven's list, I mean, bags packed, this is where he's going was at the bottom at the end of the process. 
They didn't get rid of a major. They didn't knock down a dorm or move the campus. His perception, actually our whole family's perception, changed based on the recruiting experience, how he was being sold. They said the words, yeah, 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 we really want you. But the experience made him feel like a number. Anybody want to feel like they're just a number? Of course not. No. How much of an impression did that make? So I've got another son, David, two years younger than Stephen. He went through the baseball recruiting process. Pitcher. That school wasn't even on his consideration list because of his brother's experience. Wow. Bring this back to business. Someone has yeah. that kind of experience with you where you made them feel like a number, like you didn't care. How many people are they going to tell? You didn't just lose that deal. Yeah. How many other deals do you never even get the opportunity to be considered for because you didn't make them feel special? So they did leave an impression. It just wasn't a good one. Oh, you got that right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, we all need to remember that we and our salespeople are always making some sort of an impression we just want to make sure it's a good one. And, I, and I'm so glad that you shared that story because it, it's, it's such a great example of either showing someone that you really value them specifically or showing them that they're just one of the fish in the pond and you're okay with that not getting them getting someone else that, that they really aren't significant to you. And, and it's interesting. In, in Sell Different, I tell this story about this restaurant that my wife Sharon and I go to for date nights. And they make a nice steak. But guess what? There are several restaurants, I think there's six total, right at that intersection where you can get a nice steak. But we keep going back to the same place. And you know what, Diane? They're the most expensive. Huh. There's a waitress there. We always ask to sit in her section. We walk in. She knows what I like to drink. She knows what my wife likes to drink. And doesn't even ask. The, she comes out. Here you go. There it is. She yes. remembers our orders. We usually order the, the same things. Remembers the orders. And, you know, the restaurant every so often makes a mistake. You know, the steak doesn't come out as, as you'd expect. And, and this is really interesting. So well, when I order a steak, I get it with a side of drawn butter. And it's a good thing I go to the gym because that's not the healthiest. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So a few weeks ago, we were there and the steak didn't come out right. And when she comes back with the steak, you know what she brought with it? Fresh drawn butter because she knew yeah. it would be cold from the time that the, the steak had to be recooked. Yeah. I didn't have to ask. And I even said to Sharon, I said, you watch. That steak comes out. There's going to be a new side of drawn butter that's hot. And, wow. and she knows we're there for date night and she gets it. She's yeah. like, I know you're here for date night. I want to make you have, make sure you have a great dining experience. Right. That's what brings us back there. Not the steak, because I could get a steak at several different places right at that intersection. Yeah. It's the experience she creates. And, and so, again, when we talk about this whole idea of sell different, you look at the overall buyer experience. Yeah. 
-hmm. say, what is it that I can do different, different than my competition that my buyers will find meaningful. So they prefer to do business with me than them. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting to me. To me, it's such a um, simple message, but it feels like salespeople and sales managers would find that um, difficult or complicated to make that sort of shift. There's only one thing you need to do to be able to put that into practice. Take some thought. Yeah. Sit down in a, in a conference room or have a virtual meeting with your team and talk through every touch point, every interaction. You mentioned before about customer service. You know, the expressions customer service and account management are commonly used as synonyms, right? We say it all the time. We say yeah. customer service. And they're not. So let me, let me give a very specific definition of the two. Right. Customer service is when you're asked for something. It's not a person. It's a function. Whenever you're asked for something, the measurement is accuracy and timeliness to the response. Mm -hmm. That's customer service. Account management is the value you provide beyond what the product service technology is that you're selling. They're not asking you for this. This is what you're doing to provide additional value beyond any feature or function of the product that you're selling. And it's yeah. proactive. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge difference. It is. And, and yeah. it's interesting when, when you talk with, with executives and you say, so tell me about, all right, so you already sold the deal. Tell me about the customer service experience. Tell me about the account management experience. They say, is that the same thing? <laughs> And then, you know, you have work to do. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and the thing is, in customer service, they want to talk about the department, the customer service department. Yeah. It's a function. Everyone in the company is in customer service. Yeah. When a client asks you for something, your job is to respond to it, not react, but respond, which means there's some thought and planning behind it so that you can handle it thoughtfully. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. And with care. Exactly. And, and there's a chapter in the book dedicated specifically to how to use account management. Again, nothing to do with the product service technology you're selling. How to use account management as a sell different strategy. See, if you build out that function well, now you have something to talk about during the new client acquisition process. You talk about the experience, what happens after the sale. Yeah. And that is something, ev well, not everyone, but so many people miss. They forget that they still are in a relationship. It's like getting married. You know, you, you go through this courting process and then you get married and what? That ends? Right. Okay. Why? Absolutely. Yeah. Whether you're a seasoned designer or a total novice, with Visme, you can create engaging, dynamic, branded content that makes people ask, how did you do that? Visit tinyurl.com slash seizevisme to explore. If you're a small business owner or salesperson who struggles with getting the sales results you're looking for, grab a copy of Succeed Without Selling 
on Amazon, and wherever books are sold. And if you haven't seen all Audible.com has to offer, you don't know what you're missing. Sign up for a free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. So can we talk some about prospecting? Because I'm really curious about your, your take on outbound prospecting and voicemails and, you know, just the whole subject um, okay. I would love to, for you to share how you see it, what your take is, you know, how yeah. people should be doing it. Well, I'm sure you hear a lot today that the only way to sell is through social selling and, and referrals, right? You yeah. Hear that? Yeah. Yeah. I've sure. heard that too. Yeah. Are you familiar with the rain group? Uh, sort of. Okay. Love so it. very well-respected uh, training and marketing firm. They, they conducted a study on this. They asked executives if they ever took a meeting with a salesperson who reached out to them through prospecting. So Diane, what percentage of executives said that they took a meeting with a salesperson who reached out to them through prospecting, traditional prospecting? I'll take a stab and say 20%. 82. Whoa. 82% of executives said they took a meeting with a salesperson who reached out to them through prospecting. Huh. The study also revealed the secret sauce, the key ingredient to being in that 82% group. Do you know what that was? What would you guess? Uh, I don't know. Personalization. <laughs> okay. So if prospecting was generic, generic emails, voicemails, and then when you got them live, it was a generic conversation, yeah. you'd get the meeting. Yeah. But if the approach was personalized, over four out of five executives took the meeting. So prospecting is alive and well, again, about making people feel special. You asked what, that was your uh -huh. opening question. What does everybody want to feel special? And when yeah. you show that you've invested time to understand them. So your outreach is specific to them. Yeah. So they don't have this feeling like the sole reason for your call is a commission check, right? That's what happens. If, if you have a generic approach, the person on the other end of the phone is thinking, oh, so you're calling for a commission check. I understand. Yeah, that is, that is, you know, uh, it's so interesting that um, that we're having this conversation. I was just doing a webinar earlier today and I was talking about when you're prospecting, you should be doing just a ton of research before you ever do outreach so you have something to talk to them about. Absolutely. And in my prior book, Sales Differentiation, you may recall the sales crime theory. And the sales crime theory is based on this. Imagine it's two in the morning and there's a pounding on your front door. It's the police. Diane, what'd you do? They want to talk with you about a crime that's recently been committed. Now, they don't randomly pick you and your home for this conversation. They followed a trail of evidence, put together a crime theory, which has led them to you for a conversation right now. This has actually happened at my house, but go ahead. <laughs> oh my goodness. So we'll have to hear that story. Um, a sales crime theory same concept. We follow a trail of evidence and we mm -hmm. reach out to someone when we put together a reason, a rationale, and it's based in the answer to this question. 
why should they want to have a conversation with you right now? Not yeah. why should we talk with them? That's egocentric. Why should they want to have a conversation with you right now? So we need to identify the sales crime theory evidence types that would tell us if we came across it, they should want to have a conversation with us right now. Want me to give you an example? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So let's say we sell AV equipment for conference rooms, your corporate conference rooms. Mm -hmm. So we ask ourselves, what types of sales crime theory evidence would tell us if we came across it, they should want to have a conversation with us right now. So let's see if there's an expansion, a relocation, an acquisition, a new CIO, maybe even a new CEO. If any of those things are going on, there's probably a conversation taking place regarding the technology in their conference rooms. And since that's what we do, they should want to have a conversation with us right now. And that's how you personalize the outreach. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's about them. You, it, it, it's, it's not convincing them that they need to have a conversation with you. It's being able to talk to them about them. Yeah. Yeah. So you asked me about prospecting. You mentioned voicemail yeah. messages. Yes. So Diane, let's, let's pretend after we wrap up today, you missed a call, you check your voicemail message and it's from a salesperson saying, Hey, Diane, I've got $10,000 for you. Give me a call. You calling him back? They have $10,000 for me. Yeah. I Maybe. Maybe. Okay. How about if the message was, Diane, I can cut your cell phone bills in half. You calling them back? Well, that's a really good question. I'll try one more. Okay. How about if the message was, I can reduce your interest rates by 5%. You calling that person back? Probably. Probably. I'm having, so, 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 but here's why, you know, so this is interesting, Lee, because part of the reason why I'm, Having trouble with this is because it, it's a flat out statement when they know nothing about the interest rate I'm already paying, ah, what I'm already paying for my cell phone. So you're so, skeptical. Yeah. So yeah. I've offered you money. Yeah. I offered to reduce your costs and still couldn't guarantee a, a return call. Right. Most people just say flat out, no, I'm not returning those calls. Yeah, I'm trying to be polite. So, <laughs> so Diane, what could I possibly say in a voicemail message that will get you to call me back? I offered you a lot of money, offered to cut costs, and, and you still didn't give me a definitive absolutely. Well, I think you could, if you weren't able to do enough research that you would know where I was, I think you could say, you know, this is what we've done for people in your area. and would love just to have a conversation with you to learn more about your experience, you know, with what you're doing to see if there's an opportunity for us to help you cut your cost. You're struggling with that one, aren't you? I am. And it's interesting. I, I hear sales trainers and consultants all the time talking about all these voicemail messages, similar to like the three examples that I gave you. Here's reality. There's only one way you get a call back from a voicemail message. You know what that is? No serendipity it means that oh. you leave a message about 
you're reducing cell phone costs and I'm looking at my cell phone bill going, boy, maybe there's another provider out there. That's the only way you're getting a return call from a prospecting voicemail message. So based on that, you probably think I'm anti-voicemail when, when prospecting. <laughs> well, you would be wrong. I'm a huge proponent of it. But I think we need to change our perspective of that medium. Let's take off the table this return call. And even in the voicemail message, we're going to say, I'm not expecting you to call me back. Boy, that's different, isn't it? Yeah. But you still leave the phone number. And we're going to use voicemail to wet their whistle, to spark intrigue. So when we connect with them live, they have some context for the conversation and they're eager to have it. So voicemail, we're going to take off the tail. Say, I'm not going to get a return call. And if you talk to salespeople, they get so frustrated. Oh, I leave voicemail messages. Rarely, if ever, do I ever get a call back? Okay. It doesn't mean it's a bad medium. Let's change our expectation of it. Let's use it as a way to get a little taste of our message out there so that we connect with them live. They're excited for the conversation. And it's so different. I actually lay out a 16-day prospecting rhythm. And one of the components of that is leaving voicemails, again, to spark intrigue, create interest, but not expecting a return call. Well, I love this idea of not expecting a return call and not even asking them to call you back because it it then puts the onus on them and it's not their job. Totally. So, okay. So, but I am curious if you, like, do you have an example of what this would look like? Well, let's talk about a very specific example, which is you need to write your voicemail script, your plan. If you don't, it sounds like this. Um, hi, um, this is um, Lee uh, Sauls from uh, Sales <laughs> Architects, and um, yeah, mm-hmm. we didn't exactly spark intrigue with that message. So yeah. if you if you couple together the sales crime theory, which is there's reason for your outreach, you understand the solutions you provide, you don't want to give them all the answers in that voicemail message, but spark some intrigue based on how you craft that very short message, very pithy. You want that to just be 30 seconds, 45 at the longest to spark interest and make sure you say in that message, I'm not expecting you to call me back, but here's my number anyway. Okay. So I I like this. This This is really interesting to me because this is such a huge challenge for people. They either say way too much. So this comes back to the core point around when you ask me what's different about sell different. You notice the conversation we've had for almost a half hour had nothing to do with what you're selling. No, nothing. No. Right. Right. Because you really can't have that conversation until you're having that conversation correct right but this is what salespeople do they just start talking thinking at some point the bell will go off in the prospects head and they'll go oh right i need this well someone said sales is a numbers game and i partially agree with that if you don't have enough activity you're never going to hit significant numbers sure but you have to look at both the qualitative and the quantitative sides of the equation so the qualitative side 
is the sales crime theory that I explained before. On the quantitative side, and this comes back to that 16-day prospecting rhythm, salespeople just told, oh, you got to make a lot of attempts. Well, that's not really helpful. You know, yeah. you got to keep, you got to keep trying. Okay, well, how about things like trying different times of the day with phone calls or using email as a component to the phone calls so that there is a correlation there? In other words, you could say uh, in the email, um, I'm going to try giving you a call at 2 p.m. tomorrow. So you, again, spark some interest in that email well, and you let them know when you're going to be reaching out. And hopefully yeah. you sparked enough intrigue. If they're available, you you reach them. Right, 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 right. But you got to have strategy for both the qualitative side and the quantitative side. Strategy. What a novel concept. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just going to miraculously happen. You know, no kidding. I know, because, you know, I want it so much. Okay, so in the book, you take issue with the word closing. And I am really wishing you would explain to the listeners why. I hate it. <laughs> Now, I know it's a strong word, and I don't use the word hate lightly, yeah. but yeah. I hate the word closing, which, you know, it's a widely accepted expression. Sure. I mean, think about this, Diane. Salespeople say, we're client-centric, right? Do you think yeah. anybody wakes up in the morning and says, gosh, I hope I get closed today? <laughs> Another issue. It communicates the wrong message to salespeople. Closed means... It's the end. Yeah. This isn't the end. Right. This is the beginning of what's yeah. hopefully a long-term fruitful relationship. So yeah. it, in our minds, we hear close, it's go move on to the next thing. Yep. And so that leads to a conversation of what I refer to as the business developer's mantra. And folks, you're going to want to write this down. And top salespeople subscribe to this mantra. Every deal must yield two more. Every deal must yield two more. So if you embrace that mantra, you don't see selling through the lens of closing, but rather mm -hmm. as the next step in a business relationship. There's referrals, there's upsells, there's cross-sells, there's more, there's more. Every deal must yield two more. And if you embrace that, think about the compounding effect that has on your results and your income. Well, and it's, I, I really love that because it changes your perspective and your mindset, which changes the way you communicate, the way you approach, the way you do account management. It just, it changes all of those things. Absolutely. Yeah, boy, that's really, really significant. And again, none of this has anything to do with what you're selling. If you're B2B, yeah. B2C, none of it. This is all about the house side. How right. right. I see that. Yeah. I think that that's really meaningful as well. So you also talk about uh, a strategic selling opportunity that you say over 99.999% of salespeople miss, which is pretty much almost all of them. So what opportunity is that? I'm being conservative. I think the number's even <laughs> bigger than that. All right, so Diane, you ready? So sure. imagine you just had a one hour discovery meeting 
and it meets your criteria for a great discovery meeting. You, you found challenges and pain points that your company can easily address. You position your differentiators and it ate them up. You've got action items. They've got action items that feel so good to you and you can taste it. And you remember every minute of that meeting, just like your favorite movie. What's your favorite movie, Diane? Oh, gee, um, Steel Magnolias. Steel Magnolias. And you know that movie inside and out, don't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and, and the flaw is, we think the people we met with remember that meeting just as vividly as we do. It doesn't dawn on us that after our meeting, they had seven other meetings, 106 emails, and 16 voicemail messages. Each one of those layers on top of our meeting, making it a distant memory. So here's what over 99.999% of salespeople don't do. You ready? Oh, yeah. Send a recap email. Yeah. <laughs> the same day as the discovery meeting, yeah. and it has five sections. Your objectives, meaning their objectives, these are all the issues and opportunities that they referenced in that meeting and use their language as much as possible. The second one is how we can help. So this is your opportunity in writing to talk about your differentiators. My to-do list, your to-do list, and next steps, which you both agreed to do next. And I'll tell you why that's so effective. You know, we say we got to use a CRM. Well, there's no report that your CRM is going to spit out that produces a recap email. You've got to write it. So that means the recipient knows that it took you time. So you've now shown genuine interest in that person and the account. So right away, you stand out. And Diane, have you ever had a meeting with someone and then you have the second meeting and you say to them, by the way, do you have those things that we talked about? And they go, oh, I totally forgot, Diane. I'm so sorry. So this sure. keeps your deal on track. Yeah. We've also mm -hmm. seen the studies of the number of people that are involved in decision-making. You met with one. You write this email in such a way that it can be shared with others, they can be brought up to speed, and they can get excited as well. And you stand out from all the other salespeople calling on this individual. And in chapter 11 of Sell Different, I give you the step-by-step -step tools to put this into practice. Nice. Wow, I, you are so right. It's Probably a hundred percent. I mean, you are so right that this is something we don't do. And I, I totally get how that is a huge, huge differentiator. I mean, that, that, and, and keeps the conversation going, keeps you connected to them. And if their decision-making process does involve other people, it gives those people an opportunity to weigh in. Absolutely. So, you know, it just keeps all of that energy around that conversation at a higher vibration and it makes them feel special which we talked yep. about is super important yep yeah right and there was another thing i was thinking of when you were saying you know that we assume that they um are, are remembering it with the same level of enthusiasm that we are but also i think we assume that they remember it exactly the same way we do mm-hmm which isn't necessarily true. That could be as well. Right. And, and here's the real litmus test. Imagine you had that one hour meeting and then I interview the people you met with and I say, okay, tell me everything that Diane talked about in the past hour. 
What percentage do you think they really remember of that one hour conversation? Two. <laughs> right, it's a small percentage. So this gives you an opportunity to bring all of that content back to right. life and spark yeah. interest and get it disseminated with others who would be involved in the decision-making process. Yeah. And, and it, it can be tacit confirmation that, that there's a, all those uh, agreement points mm -hmm. where you're all on the same track, which is, which is nice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of salespeople leave those meetings feeling really good about it and thinking it was really great and then can't understand why they can't re-engage later. So Diane, in summary, that's what's different about Sell Different. Wow. You know, Lee, love it. it. It is absolutely different. It is so needed. And I can see it making all the difference in the world. Congratulations on the book. Thank you. Will you please tell the listeners, and thanks for coming here and spending time with me and, and sharing oh, this. I, I love doing these talks with you. This is fun. <laughs> it is fun. It is absolutely fun. So will you tell the listeners how they can get the book, how they can find you, all that great stuff um, about you? Perfect. So the book is available wherever you like to buy books. Of course, Amazon. It's available in hardcover, Kindle, as well as audiobook. And what's neat about this is as you can tell, I'm not really passionate about this subject from no. the interview today. Um, I am the narrator on the audiobook. So if you like audiobooks, you'll get to listen to me for a few hours, taking you through all these types of stories and anecdotes and help you put these strategies into practice. Um, you can also learn more if you go to selldifferentbook.com, selldifferentbook.com, and there are bonuses there. So when you buy the book, be sure to go to that page because one of the things that you get during our launch is access to the new edition of the Sales Differentiation Minute video series. You'll get an email with a link to a video for a year, every week for a year, to help you implement the strategies that you read about in Sell Different. Wow, that's awesome. That is, those that are is not great. available to the general public. The only people nice. that get access to those are people that either buy the book or are part of a keynote that I do. Got it. Wow, that that is... Really, really terrific. Thank you so much, Lee. Diane, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. You bet. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzwar former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next-door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song. 
or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life. We've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.